everyone, and welcome back to the Football Fig Nuts podcast. This is episode number 126, episode 26 of season three. My name is Britt. I'm Craig. And Craig, you sound like you're dealing with a cold, old friend. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's on the tail end of it, and it doesn't want to leave my face. So Craig is in the Blake Bortles Memorial <laughs> Studio. I'm coming to you from our adjunct studios, which we haven't named yet, uh, out in Milford, Connecticut. And we are to wild card weekend, folks. The regular season is over. Sorry, Sad. small pools the rest of the way out. Very you're not, small. You're not going to have a whole lot of quarterback options every week. <laughs> and but there's first, no more Fitz magic. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. We, well, we got stories to tell there. But first, let's start where we always start. Craig, you're not feeling great, so I guess you're going dry today. Uh, well, it's wet. It's a clear liquid called water. Yes. See, I... I when Craig doesn't feel if Craig doesn't feel well, he won't touch he won't touch alcohol in any way, shape, or form. I also have a non-alcoholic liquid today. I have Diet Coke because I'm gonna take the Dry January challenge because my lord, I drink a lot this holiday season. Right now, here's the question. Yeah. Hypothetically. Yeah. If the Chiefs make it to the Super Bowl, you're not gonna have a beer. I'm absolutely gonna have a beer because the Super Bowl is on February second. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. The question is, can I make it through a playoff season with my Chiefs actually playing a game or two, hopefully more, and not have a beer? I don't, I don't know. know. I, I don't know if I that, can do this. Um, I think that depends who they're playing. Well, yeah. I mean, that's we're going to find that out this weekend. Uh, somebody said to me today, can we get together a week from Sunday and do this, that, and the other thing? And I went, I don't know. <laughs> because I don't know what the Chiefs' schedule is. We don't know until the games happen this week. They don't release. They only release the uh, freaking schedule a week in advance. Yeah. So we don't have no idea who's. I don't. At least I don't think we do. Do we have a schedule beyond Wild Card Weekend? I don't. Oh, we know. do. Do we? Oh, we do. Okay, the Sunday the Chiefs will play. It's a to-be-determined game, but they're going to play 3:05 next Sunday. So I got to call Tracy after this and tell her, no, I can't go out with you guys next Sunday. <laughs> 3.05, are you kidding me? I'll be in front of the TV, 3.05 p.m. next Sunday watching the Chiefs play somebody. And we're going to talk about who that is going to be, but let's start with some burning hot takes. Sure. All right. Give or receive. Uh, receive. Fantastic, because I got all sorts of stuff to talk about. I would like to just bring you up to date and get your latest thoughts on the madness of, of Antonio Brown. Okay. Um, on New Year's Eve, he tweeted out to the universe, rest in peace, Kimbo Slice. We're hey. going to get it done for you. Uh, uh, Kimbo he, Slice, I believe, passed away in 20, 2015, I believe. Um, so there was that. Then he held an open workout where he literally tweeted his location and invited people to come down. To, uh, he died on June 6th of 2016. Um yeah, and he was born in February for the people who think, oh, well, maybe he was celebrating his birthday, you know, after he was gone. No, his birthday's in a month in a month and a half from now. So then he tweeted out his location in Florida and said, come work out with me. And like 100 people showed up. Okay. I don't know how safe that is. <laughs> uh, and his pinned tweet is the epic one from a couple weeks ago. No more white women 2020. <laughs> Craig, is he getting worse is he getting better, or are we just I, holding the same level of crazy at this point? It kind of comes in waves. I think he's he's still it's still bad, but 
it, he had a couple peaks of worse because I think he he's suing the his ex girlfriend. Yes. He's all pissed off at his dad talking about how he had to went to go to therapy. Oh, I didn't even get into that. <laughs> I didn't even get into how he told, you know, his he was taking pot shots at his dad because his dad went on TV and said, I think my son needs therapy. We and didn't even cross was, out. He was arguing with Juju over Twitter. Was it even an argument? I just saw him take a pot shot. Did Juju even respond to him? Uh, I didn't see it. Maybe he maybe it wasn't really an argument then. It was just, hey... Yeah, he yeah. didn't get over a thousand yards or some. No, crap. he said he said he couldn't even get five hundred yards. Oh, and that's true. Juju Smith Schuster ended the year, I think, with like four hundred and sixty yards from scrimmage. I'm looking it up. That sounds about right. <clears throat> it was a three-digit number. It was not. Yeah, it was not good. Uh, five hundred and fifty-two yards this year for Juju. Forty-two, only forty-two catches and three touchdowns. Ouch. Yep. So, but yeah, I think he's... Pittsburgh was bad this year, folks. <laughs> they, injury. they were they injury-riddled. Were. They were they injury-riddled. Were. One of our friends um, is married to a Steelers fan, and she put out there, she says, I can't believe we actually have a shot at making the playoffs in Week 17. And I'm like, you really should be thrilled just to have eight wins. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seriously. You lost your two best offensive weapons in back-to-back seasons. Then your quarterback died. Then the guy who was replacing him was so bad you went to the third string. Your wide receiver, who was supposed to be the next big thing, turned out to be nothing. You should be grateful you have eight wins. You know what? You should be grateful you played in a very underwhelming AFC North this year. Yes. Because aside from Baltimore, nobody's good in that division right now. No. Sorry. You call Cleveland. but Nope. So there it is. So so we're kind of holding Pat. This is a, just a another bump in the road of crazy that is Antonio Brown. I've been on the record before. There is a policy that I never remember the name of. It's not like an official thing. But again, I work in human services. Uh, I, I've dealt with folks with mental health issues for years. I, you're never supposed to diagnose someone you haven't met and you don't have records on. It's just like right. the unspoken rule. That's why every time somebody comes on the on the, the TV and goes, I think President Trump is mentally ill, they always get shot down because the community does not take does not make diagnoses without meeting someone. So I've never met Antonio Brown. I can't diagnose him. All I can tell you is right now, this behavior is very consistent with other guys I've dealt with who are having manic episodes. Very consistent. I've seen this before from folks who have manic episodes. Everything that they say, they think, they put out there is genius. I just I, – I fear the guy is ill. I just do. Yeah, they really need to uh, be able to find CTE while someone's alive. I don't know if this has anything to CTE or this is chemical imbalance. I really don't. Or both. I really don't. Or both. Remember, again, I, I think I've mentioned it before on the air. Brandon Marshall, early in his career when he was a bear – all sorts of behavior issues. You know, management doesn't respect me. These guys got to go. He got diagnosed with bipolar disorder, which is related to manic episodes. He started taking medicine and he was he had no other outbursts the rest of the time. And he became a great advocate for for treatment in his later career. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, what have you got for me? <clears throat> uh, so, you know how things happen in threes? Yes. Oh, I know where you're going with this. I knew we were going to talk about this. <laughs> we might as well. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of uh, <clears throat> sports deaths in, in the, like last, the last like, two days. Two forty-eight yeah. hours. Yeah, since the start of the new year. Happy New Year, everybody! By yeah, the Happy way. New Year. Uh, are you are you surprised by any of them? Well, let's go over what who has passed. So we we had David Stern passed away, 
And we yep. knew that was coming because there were reports that he was very ill. Don Larson passed away, the famous Yankees pitcher, still 90. The, on, the only man in history to throw a perfect game in a World Series. Yep. 19, um, is that the 50s? Uh, yes. I think it was 55, 54, yeah. somewhere around there. Um, and if you don't know, if you don't remember who I'm talking about, if you're a Yankee fan or, well, if you're a Yankee fan, you better know who I'm talking about. Otherwise, you know, take off that jersey. You have no right to wear it. Um, <laughs> It, but if you remember the old clip, Yogi Berra like nearly tackled him, like jumped and wrapped his arms and legs around him at yeah, the end of that game. Yeah, he picked him up. <laughs> and then, yeah, he literally held Yogi Berra in the air. That guy. That's the guy who we just lost. And yes, he was 90. Uh, and then today we lost Sam Weich, who invented the no huddle offense. Is that right? Uh, he made it mainstream, and he he pissed a lot of people off doing it because. No one really ever did it before, but it's it was never written that you couldn't just, you know, line up and hike the ball. You didn't there's no rule saying you had to have a huddle. Right. And he also did a lot of TV after his coaching days. Um he was very not only innovative, but he was very outspoken. Um he didn't play by a lot of the unspoken rules in football. I, I, I mentioned the story to Craig earlier, so I'll share it with everybody else. That uh they were talking about it on um I think it was the afternoon drive on uh NFL radio today. Uh, and and they were talking about one of the guys said I, I was he was he was a player on Pittsburgh he was one of the backup quarterbacks on Pittsburgh and it was when Cower was first there and Weich was near the end of his career in Tampa and uh, they were in a preseason game and in the fourth quarter Tampa Bay was preparing to punt on fourth down so Cower yelled back to this guy grab your helmet you're going to get a couple of snaps in the last two minutes. So, you know, he's like, I grab my helmet and I run over there because I'm like, all right, great. I'm going to get into an NFL game. And Sam Weich, in a preseason NFL game, a week before the start of the season, ran a fake punt, converted the first down, and <laughs> Pittsburgh never got the ball back. <laughs> and Tower was pissed and ran out there. And when they shook hands, he let Weich know it. Like, you don't do that in a preseason game. What's wrong with you? And Sam Weiss supposedly responded to him with, getting your players reps isn't my problem. My job is to get my guys reps. There you go. And th He's not that's, wrong. <laughs> that's the way he viewed the world. It's what do I need to do for my guys to be successful? And, you know, you can't you can't blame him for that. Yeah. You can't blame him for that. So, yes, we I know you believe in the rule of threes when it comes to passings. It's very strange that we lost all three of these guys. And, and across all three of the major sports. Yeah. You know, so who's the biggest loss? Let's 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 we've got time today. Let's let's talk about that. So they're all innovators or have some sort of major claim to fame in their own their own uh, right. Well, <clears throat> I think I'm most surprised about the Sam Weish one because that I, I didn't feel know like he was that Ill. just came out of nowhere. Well, he's been ill for a long time, but he kept it very quiet. He retired from broadcasting like 10 years ago. Yeah. And he just hasn't been anywhere. I was like, I forgot he was even still alive. Um, I mean, I'm not – Don Larson, you don't need I've, – I've been a long time proprietor of a simple thought. If you're over 80, you no longer need a cause of death. <laughs> you have earned the right to go out any damn way you please. And he was, and he was 90, so. And Don Larson was 90. So you're okay. I, I don't need to know what killed Don Larson – God bless him. He he lived a full life. The David Stern one. Yeah, apparently he was it. he was out to dinner in Manhattan with his family, and he had a, like a I don't know if it was a stroke or it 
aneurysm or something like the couple days before Christmas Eve or around Christmas Eve. Yeah. And he just never came out, you know, came through. It's amazing. It's but just, it's sad. He, he, I, well, you know, they were all big in their own rights, but hmm? Stern, he like skyrocketed the NBA. And, 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 and rode the coattails in the early 90s of the rise of women's college basketball into the WNBA. Yeah. Don't ever forget, and again, this is this is a little bit of hubris because it comes from a guy who, who's a UConn alum. The early 90s, going into the early 90s, if you didn't, if you weren't a Tennessee fan or maybe an Old Dominion fan or a North Carolina fan, you didn't give a jack about college basketball with the women. And then UConn changed all of that. UConn showed up on the scene and said, no, we're going to beat Tennessee. We're going to go out there 1990. Oh, God. Three. Five. Because mm. I got there in 93. 95 was the per- the 35-0 and 0 season where they beat Tennessee. That was 1995's tournament. Um, that changed everything. And he saw that. He saw that. And he was like, you know what? We can make even more money <laughs> off of this. Because that's what he was. He was a businessman. That was his idea. He, he was a businessman, and he was like, "I can, we can make even more money off of this," and they did. And the WNBA continues to go well. Um, I mean, it's not good, it's not groundbreaking in terms of like the amount of money they're making, but it's a fantastic, it's a fantastic thing. And he's very wisely started in cities that had existing teams, and then looked where they could grow. That you know, I mean. He, he, it was like the first, the first like uh, four or five teams were like Chicago, L.A., New York, I think yep. San Antonio or Houston. I think it was Houston, Phoenix. Yep. I, all we eventually six, wound up with one. <laughs> yeah, we ended up putting it in Connecticut, but that's again because he saw where the draw was. Connecticut is a big college basketball state, and particularly when it comes to women's basketball, because UConn has been so wildly successful for the better part of 20 years now. Um, but yeah, so Stern was an innovator. Larson accomplished something that nobody else did. Nope. And Sam Weish. yet to. What's that? Or yet to. Or yet to. And Sam Weish was a guy who just looked and sa- looked at, at, at rules and said, why can't I? Yeah. And, ch- and kind of <clears throat> changed football over the long haul. I mean, he. It, there are some people who come into sports like Lawrence Taylor and... Um, they reinvent the position. They do. Uh, uh, him, uh, Donovan McNabb, who was – there were other running quarterbacks, but he was – you know, even – you could even say maybe Patrick Mahomes. and Ed Cunningham. Reed, Ed Reed. Don't forget, back in the day, before, you know, Ed Reed and Troy Palomalu, the idea of a secondary was to stop the pass, not to get the ball going the other way. Right. Don't forget, in the – probably up until the 80s, interceptions were like, oh, great, we got one this game? Fantastic. You didn't game plan for him. You didn't teach people to look for them. I mean, Ed Reed could sniff the ball. He really changed the way you look at safety. Safeties were meant to break up passes, and Ed Reed kind of changed that. And I'm sure there's his football historians would sit there and say, well, there's, there's, there were guys before Reed. You're forgetting such and such. Okay, I'm sorry. That's that's where I'm going with it. You know? I mean, like, uh, even the tight end position. Who am I? Oh, God, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Who's that guy? Oh, the guy from the Patriots. Uh, Bishop? <sighs> No, before, way back. Yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> Ask Cinch. 
<laughs> oh yeah, essentially, essentially, I just I remember he had he had the uh, Sigma branded on his arm because oh, he was uh, Bates. Was that his name? Oh, I, oh god, this is gonna kill me. <laughs> oh my god, uh, I'm trying to look it up. I'm trying to look for it right now. As a Martez and Mike Vrabel, no this, uh, words. No, I'll know it when I see it. Jermaine Wiggins, Algie Crumpler. <laughs> no, <laughs> I searched New England. I searched New England Patriot tight ends, and Algie Crumpler comes up. Remember Algie Crumpler? I do. He crumpled a lot. <laughs> he did. He did uh, as a depth chart as a every tight end in New England Patriots history. Here we go. All right. Oh, okay. So who's number Bennett? one? Now I'm thinking of Ben Coates. There you go. That's who I'm thinking of is See? Ben Coates, and he's number two on the list uh, on this ranker list, right behind Gronk. Russ Francis. Wow. I, I that's like when I was born. <laughs> so Aaron Hernandez is a five, please. Martellus Bennett at six. Get out of here. <laughs> Christian Foria, Daniel Graham, Jim Whalen, Don Hasselbeck. I can't even pronounce this guy at 13. Michael Huma Manawani. Okay. Jermaine Wiggins. Jermaine Wiggins. <laughs> Kyle Brady. Kyle Brady was a Patriot? Uh, after the Jets drafted him, yes. And how does he even end up on this list? He played one year there. Cam Cleland was there. Wow, a lot of people played for the Patriots. I didn't even realize. Willie Scott? Willie Scott was there? Wow. Okay, anyway. But Ben Watson. No, did I say Ben Watson? No, who did I say? Ben Coates. Oh, geez, I've already forgotten him. Ben Coates. Coates. Ben Winter Coates. That's the, I mean, with Ben Coates, uh, I, I, feel like, I feel like he, you don't have a Gronk uh, and an Aaron Hernandez and all, and all those guys without, without Ben Coates. Coates. Yeah. I think, and I don't think he innovated necessarily the position for the whole league, but definitely how the Patriots looked at it, definitely how Belichick looked at it. Those are guys who are big time innovators. They they come in, they make major changes in one shot. Sam Weish was more of a overtime guy. Yes. So, I'm sorry, I just spent about 18 minutes talking no, about dead fine. people. <laughs> we got all sorts of time. We only have four games to cover, folks. We do. Settle only down. Four. All right, my last question for you. Yeah. Let's talk about Black Monday. Okay. How was your Black Monday, Craig? <laughs> um, well, you know, a lot of people got fired. We got four teams. Yeah. That were coming into this, uh, that got rid of their coaches. Pat Shermer, um, whose playoff record was zero for zero. Yes. Uh, we're gonna toss uh, Freddie Kitchens, also yeah. a zero for zero playoff record. We're gonna toss Ron Rivera into it, even though he wasn't fired on that Monday. He was fired, like you know, we're talking about end of the season fires. Right. He was three and four in the playoffs, by the way, um, and did go to a Super Bowl. And then uh, Jay Gruden, who was also fired earlier in the year. So that's four teams. That we're looking for a head coach. Now, Ron Rivera has since moved to Washington. So let's start there. Ron Rivera to Washington. Does it, if, a, if a coach leaves one bad team and goes to a worse team and it doesn't make a sound, does anyone care? No. Not really. <laughs> and that's all the analysis we have no. for that. No, but I think the Redskins, the the Redskins are – they're bad. They need, they need a lot of help, and they, the coaching is definitely one of them. But as long as Snyder still owns them and he's actually controlling them, I don't – it's the same same problem the Bengals have with Mike Brown. I was just going to say you're going to bring this back to the Bengals. Same, owner, it's the same kind of thing. When the owner has, like, too much grip on everything, I don't think it really works. When your owner is Jerry Jones but without any idea on how football actually works, yes, this is what happens. As much as we rank on Jerry Jones, Jerry Jones played football. 
He's yes. a, he was a long he's a long time booster of was Oklahoma. I think I think that's where he played too. He actually understands the game on some level. Right. Daniel he knows Snyder. what like you know players need and you know what he expects from them. Yes, absolutely true. So all right, so we expect Ron Rivera to flame out. I don't think he's going to do anything there. So that means going into the next couple of weeks, the Giants, the Browns, and the Panthers all still need coaches. Yes. Who is most – who will benefit most from getting a new coach right away? The Panthers, the Giants, or the Browns? So if they – let's – I'll ask you this. If you got the perfect guy in any of those jobs, and I think they're all going to be different guys. Yes. But let's just say they make the perfect hire for their situation. Are any of these teams playoff teams a year from now? And if so, who? Uh, possibly the Panthers if they can fix their defense. Well, that's what I'm saying. I, they have no, a lot. They have a lot of weapons on offense now. They mm-hmm. clearly have. They had a backup quarterback that could win. You know, right. they have McCaffrey. You know, maybe they draft a receiver. Maybe they shuffle their defense around a little because mm-hmm. they're bad, but there were worse defenses. Uh, so if you take, if you take the Panthers, you take the Redskins, and you take the Giants, the Panthers are definitely way ahead of both of them. See, I'm gonna go, and I know you're gonna hate to say that. Hear this. I think the Browns are the the closest to ready for primetime. I think Freddie Kitchens was a terrible choice to lead that team from the get-go. Now, I know you think there's a lot of drama around there. I think you bring in the right coach, that drama stops. Let's True, you do need that. the right you do need the right coach, but I keep hearing a lot of talk about them hiring a college coach and I don't think that's, that's going to work. That's the wrong coach. Do, does anybody remember when Tom Coughlin took over the Giants? Yes. And one of the first thing he did was he would say meetings start at 9 a.m. And at 8.59, he would lock the doors to the room. Yep. And players would knock on the door, and he would just shoo them away and then fine them for missing the meeting. And players were like, oh, this is terrible. But they got better. They got better. They they were in a Super Bowl like two or three years later. You know, now granted, Eli played a lot to that. Eli in his prime was, was very good. And, you know, Tiki Barber and the defense and all that. But changing the culture when you have talented people, can really make an instant impact. And I feel like that's what Cleveland needs. And you're right. I worry that they're looking in a bad Something place. new and fresh and, oh, let's try this. What they should be doing, and one of the one of the names that has been banded about, is Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy, NFL experience, he can walk in there, he can make a difference right away. I would love a Mike McCarthy hire. Not going to happen. Probably not. They want Josh McDaniels. That's not going to happen either. No, we all know what's going to happen with Josh McDaniels after what happened with the Colts. Now, to extend on my original question, there is a team we haven't talked about yet, and that is the Cowboys. Because as of right now, Jason Garrett has had two meetings with the management, with the ownership, and has not walked out with either a vote of confidence or a goodbye letter. Right. He's under he's under contract for like another month. Now, typically, at the end of every season, there is a, a day of player meetings with the coaching staff. All of the offensive players come in, like 30 of them, for like 15 minutes apiece. They sit with the offensive coordinator and the head coach. They talk for 15 minutes about what they're looking at for next year. It, you know, Sometimes coaches will be like, listen, we're probably not bringing you back next year, so good luck to you. It's usually brief and just kind of, is there anything you want us to know, anything we need to tell you? This always happens the day after the season or the week after the season. 
except when a coach gets fired. The Cowboys have not even asked their players to schedule a day to come in yet. They have not brought their players in for end of end of season interviews. This is extremely unusual when you're planning on keeping a coach. All I can feel like, and and somebody said it might have been Bill Polian. I might be miscrediting this, so I apologize if I'm putting words in his mouth because he's amazing. Somebody said this feels like Dad doesn't want to tell his son that they can't he can't be in his Boy Scout troop anymore. <laughs> is what it feels like, and ultimately he's gonna have to make this call. I don't see any way Garrett comes back next year, but I also don't think Jerry Jones likes interviewing people. He's been very quick to when he has an opening to say this is my new guy. Like within a week or two, and there's not a whole lot of talk about like, well, six different guys are going to come in for interviews. I mean, like the Browns are already, Ian Rappaport's already saying that Kevin Stefanski from the Vikings, Josh McDaniels from the Patriots, Greg Roman from um, the Ravens, and Dennis Allen from the Saints are the first four names on their list. And that's not even counting Mike LaFleur's in the mix. There's rumors that Mike McCarthy is in the mix. That's like six guys right there. That is not how Jerry Jones operates. So no, he so, just calls you at 2 a.m. and be like, hey, you're interviewing tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And be prepared Be prepared to have your – and bring your agent's phone number with you so I can call him while we're in the room. You know? So here's the question. And, and this is, you know, again, follow-up slash Black Monday tie-in. Does Garrett come back next year? What are you putting the odds at? Hmm. Odds of Garrett coming back next year? Uh, 40%. I, I'm going to go like 20 but again, these are the same two guys that sat at a bar on Sunday, and I said there's a 15% chance the Dolphins beat the Patriots. And I said 25. And, he, and Craig was closer to right because it happened. <laughs> it happened. So let's really quick tell that side story before we get on to the other of stuff. Of course. We went to uh, Blind Rhino in uh, Bridgeport uh, on Sunday to watch the games. We got there at like 12.15 because we knew the place would be packed. So we got seats at the bar. We were right. By game time, every table was full. It was standing room only by the time we left around 4 o'clock. Oh, actually, it was – what time did we leave? 5.30-ish. We like 5.30. It was halfway through the second game. Um, and there were a bunch of Patriot fans. And that Miami game, Miami beat the Patriots. And I have never seen so many people close out so many tabs <laughs> so quickly. Like five minutes later, there was tables open. I was spots like, at the bar. Spots at the bar. <laughs> I was like, what the hell just happened? The Patriots fans just cleared out. And, I, you know, so bonus question. Yeah. The Patriots have now lost two straight at home. Yeah. That's extremely unpatriot-like. It is. Is uh, is this a sign that the, uh, the Patriots are, are uh, vulnerable? Can they lose this weekend? Let's launch into our, our wild card weekend preview by let's talking about Patriots-Titans. Uh, can, can the Patriots... Out of the out of the teams they've could have played, I think Tennessee has the best shot at beating them. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially at home, Tennessee's able to beat people at home. But it depends what Tennessee shows up. Yeah, you know, they've been a lot better since Tannehill took over. But still, you never know what Tennessee is going to show up. They're always. Yeah. I feel like the last like two seasons, they're always like almost really good. Mm-hmm. And then uh, something happens. They like just drive their playbook into the ground and I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at their this they were 6 and 2 at home this year. 6 and 2. They had the same record at home that they had away. That's not like the Patriots at all. At all. You want to hear a startling stat? Sure. Buffalo was only 4 and 4 at home this year. <laughs> really? 
they were ten and six. They were six and two on the road. They were as good on the road as the Bills were, as the Patriots were. Best team in the AFC on the road this year. Yeah. Tied between the Chiefs and the Ravens. Ravens both seven and one. Huh. The Chiefs were better away than they were at home. Seriously, right? That is Crazy. weird. It's it's hard Crazy to win stuff. in Kansas City, and people beat them. You know, it's been getting easier to win in Kansas City. I, I don't know what that is, but in the Andy Reid era, the Arrowhead mystique has been kind of – I don't know. But they were pretty amped up when they found out they had a bye coming their way. So I think next week they are going to be wild. So – all right, so give me a percentage. Chance the Titans walk in and beat the Patriots at home next Saturday night. Hmm. That's rough. Um, 35. 10. <clears throat> 10%. You're probably 10. right. Because the Patriots – So we all know Tom Brady plays well when he's coming off of a loss. He's angry. He's not happy they have to play this weekend. No. Neither is Belichick. But I get the feeling from this group of Patriots – the sense of urgency that we normally see isn't exactly there. I don't sense the same sense of urgency from this group as I have the last couple years. I don't know why that is, but hmm. we'll, we'll see. Let's back it up and talk about Bill's Texans. Okay. Bill's at Texans 430 Saturday afternoon. What's your first thought on this? Oh, see, Buffalo's defense is really good. And again, Houston is, is kind of like Tennessee. They're always like almost good. Buffalo either, six, either they're going to score like 38 points or they're going to score like 14. Buffalo 6-2 and two on the road this year. Titans 5-3 and three at home. And, the, and don't forget too, shocking stat on the season, the Titans were outscored. The Titans or the Texans? I'm sorry, the Texans. The Texans actually gave up 385 points to 378 scored. They were seven points under the Mendoza line in points scored this year. Huh? Yeah. So you know what that means? It means they win big or they lose close. Right. I'm going to take the bills at the Texans. I smell an upset here. I can see that. I, I smell an upset here. I smell bills over Texans, which is actually not a huge upset. That's the four five game. Um, and I think the winner of that is going to end up going to, um, I, you know, I, I would love – see, I don't know how to feel about this. I really don't. If the Titans upset the Chiefs – the Titans upset the Patriots, right. as slim a chance as it is, that means the Titans at the sixth seed automatically go to Baltimore. That means we get the winner of Bills versus Texans. We've already lost to the Texans this year. That was one of our losses. We lost to Houston. I, that was a game I was driving back from the wedding in Maine back in October. <laughs> And my wife and I, we, I was I was like driving the whole way. I'm like, Carlos Hyde is running all over us. He's angry. He did not want to be traded to this team. And now he's running all over us. And my wife was like, yeah, but the Chiefs are really good. And I'm like, they are. But I just I had a sense of impending doom as I listened to that game in the car. And I was right. I was right. So I don't know. Do, do I would I rather see the Patriots in Kansas City next week or would I rather see Houston or Bills, I, I don't know. I'm kind of just like, you know what? Wherever the chips fall, I'm screwed because I'm an I'm a negative Chiefs fan, and I, we're gonna lose that. Home <laughs> so, game out of all those teams, is there anyone you would at least prefer to see them play? I, probably the Bills. The Bills would be the team I would want to see. 
because I don't fear Devin Singletary. He's still figuring things out, and the Chiefs the Chiefs do a good job of showing multiple looks at the line, which is going to confuse a young running back, um, which just means Frank Gore's going to run all over us. Right. But, yeah, oh God, my God. Frank Gore. What would I do? I, 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 what I, Frank Gore running all over the Chiefs would be such a terrible, like, it'd be like watching your kid. It must be like what Kirk Kirk Herbstreet felt like watching his kids play for Clemson against Ohio State the other day. Must have been like, oh my God, my son, awesome, but my school. <laughs> so, um, but I'm, if I'm gonna pick it, I'm gonna take, um, I'm gonna take the Bills. I'm gonna take the Bills, and I'm gonna take the Patriots. On the AFC, which would line up with uh, Bills at Ravens and Patriots at uh, Chiefs. And honestly, I think those are the four best teams in the AFC. There you go. I don't think the Texans or the Titans are better than the Bills. So let's talk about the NFC because they're playing on Sunday. They are. Vikings at Saints. The Saints, excuse me, the Saints, uh, in theory, uh, they really should win this game. (laughs) In theory. But as Homer once pointed out, in theory, communism works. In theory. In theory. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, the Vikings have been a bit of an enigma. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, if you told me they were going to end up 10-6, and six, I would have told you you were insane. Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm looking back at their year. Okay, so they opened the year against the beating the Falcons. Everyone beats the Falcons. Then they lose to the Packers. Then they beat the Raiders pretty badly. Not shocking. Then they lose to the Bears. The Bears. They're 2-2. Two and two. And they lose to the Bears. Then they beat the they beat the Giants again. Not shocking. Then they beat the Eagles. And everybody's like, okay, wait a minute. They're four and two. They beat down the Lions. Not shocking. Five and two. Beat down the Redskins. Six and two. They they lose to the Chiefs by three to go to six and three. Beat the Cowboys. Uh, beat the Broncos again. Waiting for a game that's shocking. Lose to the Seahawks. Beat the Lions. Beat the Chargers. Lose to the Packers. Lose to the Bears again. <laughs> Those division games, man. I don't I don't know who the Vikings are. I don't. No, because you really haven't heard much from like Diggs and Thielen overall this year. Well, Thielen again. <clears throat> Thielen had that amazing hurt. start last year, but he was so hurt this year. And he started out okay this year, but it wasn't like last year. And, and you know, there was all this, oh, we've got to dedicate ourselves to the run. And then Stefan Diggs was like, well, nobody's getting me the ball. And then they were like, well, shut up, you whiny bitch, because we have we have Dalvin Cook and he's healthy. But now Dalvin Cook is dead. Alexander <laughs> Madison might be dead. We don't know. I mean, what I'm hearing from DFS point of view is you can't trust anyone in that backfield because you have no idea who's going to play and how many snaps they're going to take. Dalvin Cook might suit up this week, but might take one shot to the ribs and be one carry for four yards and done. And then do you do you start Boone? Can you? Because what happens if Dalvin Cook doesn't take that hit? Which is what mm. I'm going to talk about in two minutes when we get to our, our DFS for the week. DFS in playoffs and on short slate in a cash game is about mitigating risk. Where can I minimize my risk? So I'm looking at Mike Boone. Or I'm looking at like a Devin Singletary. Neither's a guaranteed hit. Neither's a great price tag. But I got to use one of them. Where is my risk, and 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 how big is the risk guaranteed compared to their their floor? I, in cash games, in cash games, in a, in a DFS on a wild card weekend, I am worried about floor. I don't want to talk about ceiling. I want to talk about floor. I can't afford with only like eight or nine running backs available to draft because there's only like four games, I can't risk Mike Boone 
when I can pay up $2,000 more and get Alvin Kamara. I got to mitigate my risk somewhere else. Maybe I want to take a risk on a wideout. Maybe instead of using Michael Thomas, I want to use Traquan Smith because the risk isn't as big. So it's a different kind of thought process when you get to this point in the DFS season. I'm going to take the Saints running away with this. I think they're going to put an epic beatdown on um, the Vikings. I don't think the Vikings can handle them. So Not I'm going to take year. that. No, I'm going to take that and run away with it. It's it's up to the refs at this point. Yeah. Uh, in oh god, the schedule went away. Where's the schedule? Oh, Seahawks Eagles. <laughs> like, there's one more game. Uh, Se- the Seahawks should really win this game. <laughs> the Seahawks with a better record going to the 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 the, the Philadelphia Eagles and not twelve people on IR like the Eagles. There are the running game is decimated for both of these teams, but the Seahawks have better experience. If this game is one, it's one on the back of Carson Wentz. I'm not going to pick that. I'm going to pick the Seahawks go in there and win um, in a close game, which means we have the Seahawks, which are the five seed advancing. They'll have to go play San Francisco, who's the one seed, and we'll take the Saints at Green Bay. Ooh, Saints Ooh. at Packers in January. Ooh. That's the that's why you need the buy for the Saints. That's why you need the buy. If this game's in New Orleans, I don't have any problem picking New Orleans. This game's in Green Bay. I'm concerned. Yes. I'm concerned. Yep. So New Orleans is not right. the best outside. No, particularly in January. Particularly in January. Let's talk about DFS. All right. How was your week 17? Uh, it was all right. Wasn't spectacular. Was it positive? Not as much as I wanted it to be, but was positive. You did not. Right. You, you turned more money than you wagered. Right. Okay, that's all that matters. I mean, yeah. If you, <laughs> if you only made a dollar or two, okay, you broke even. I w- I left that bar on Sunday, and I was convinced I was due for a bad week. I had like two or three double up pools with Michael Gallup as my cheap option and um, Emmett uh, Emmett Smith. <laughs> wow. Ezekiel Elliott. <laughs> as my uh my stud running back and by the time i got home that night all of a sudden Gallup had three touchdowns and zeke had gone nuts and i went oh my god i just want a ton of money so it worked out really really well for me now you got to kind of really shift your thinking because going into um a short slate four games and that's if you don't play the shorter slate because there are pools on DraftKings that are just saturday or just sunday you know you've got to really really look hard so here's what i'm thinking first off i got no value plays this week i got nobody slated at 3x do you know why Why? because there's no one to use there's only four teams playing i my player pool has been cut significantly there's eight teams playing three quarters of the league is off this week hello really think about it well there's yeah there's eight teams there's four games Eight teams. There's 32 teams in the NFL. No, you're that's right. a quarter. That's 25 percent. At three out of every four teams are out. You got no Fitz magic. You can't use them. Philip Rivers can't use them. <laughs> you wouldn't use Derek Carr anyway, but you can't use them. So who am I using? Well, I- I'm going to say very carefully what I need to say here. All right. I'm going with the cheapest quarterback on the slate, and it's Tom Brady. He's only 5800. 
I've only got him slated for 17 points. He's wearing but, magic cleats the this weekend. But if he's gonna, if they're gonna win this game, it's gonna be through him. It's gonna be through him. Now, which is going to sound counterintuitive when we get to the running backs, because, but it is, and it's not. That makes no sense until you hear who my running back picks are. <laughs> but that's that's where I'm going with it. Who do you like? You got Breeze, Brady, Watson, and Wentz. I don't think mm. any is a terrible choice. The most expensive quarterback on the board is Breeze at 6600. He is playing at home. But Wilson 68. Wilson 68. Oh, I forgot yeah. about Wilson. Who else am I missing? Oh, I'm missing Kirk Cousins too. I'm missing one, two, three, four, Kirk five, 61. seven. Who is the other? Who is the other? Oh, Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> <laughs> Tannehill in New England. Now Tannehill knows New England. He's beaten Tom Brady before, but I'm not, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go to Tannehill. I'm liking Tom Brady, and I'm liking my choice there. So who? So who are you liking? You liking Russell Wilson? Uh, he's expensive though, but I, mm, I think so. Use Wilson over I... Breeze. You know who my first option is? Uh, yeah. He, I kind of like Allen. Because you Houston, know what? Houston's, huh? Just as much as I'm saying Tom Brady needs to be good for them to win against Tennessee, yeah. Josh Allen has to be good for them to win against Houston. Because their sec- Houston's secondary is not spectacular. They're ranked Houston's like 30th. Not good. It is not good. So, so All right, so you like Josh Allen. I'm going to use Brady. The, and, and here's the thing. I'm going to use Brady because I am absolutely in all in this week on James White I think that Tennessee is susceptible to multiple screens and James White runs screens better than anybody he's essentially another wideout. so if I'm thinking to myself Tom Brady must have 20 points for them to win this game which I think he does he needs 20 fantasy points for them to win this game I'm absolutely using James White now by using James White at 5700 I'm also locking in Alvin Kamara at 7,400. So I'm loving me some Camara and some white. So now I got to look cheap. I got to look real cheap for my third running back, Carlos Hyde. Huge gamble here. Huge gamble. But I like it. I like Carlos Hyde. He's only 5,100. He's going to allow me to use a little bit more expensive at the wide receiver mark because there's no good tight ends. No. I mean, who are you looking at at tight end? Irv Smith? <laughs> I mean, maybe I like Irv. Don't, 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 I'm not poo-pooing Irv Smith. I'm just <laughs> saying, and he's high on my value board, but Dallas Goddard's 5200 Dallas Goddard is $5,200. Jared Cook is $4,900. How, really... how do you feel about Frank Gore at 4100 I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Um, I think they're going to lean too much on Singletary, though. I think they're going to leave. How much is Singletary? Singletary is. He's six grand. Six, yeah. oh, oh, oh. Marshawn Lynch is 52. Marshawn Lynch? You know, is Marshawn Lynch a better option than Carlos Hyde? I think he is. Probably. You know, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make a ch- You can use either. I'm going to say go with one or the other. I'm going to, I'm going to put Marshawn Lynch into a, a lineup or two here and see how all that shakes up. So. Um, I just don't know if we're going to get the production out of Lynch. It, Hyde's a little bit of a riskier option, but I, I, I'm going I'm to say I'm going to get 10 points out of Hyde. I'm not sure I'm going to get 10 points out of Lynch. Not sure I'm going to get it. So I might stick with Hyde. I don't know. We'll see. I'm, I'm oscillating on this one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Hyde Good stays word. in my line. 
Oscillating. Yes. So who do you like at the running backs? You already mentioned Lynch. Who else you like? Uh, I do like Kamara playing at home. Uh, my other option would be, uh, you know, part of me wants to start one of the uh, Vikings running backs. But again, like we mentioned before, I don't know which one who's going to. I have no idea who to tell you to start. That I'm might be avoiding... a game time decision. If you're thinking tournament, go ahead and plug away with Vikings. Use follow your gut. But I, I can't. I can't. I, I have no idea who is going to start in that backfield. Um, I'm looking right now. I'm looking at my projections. If Cook plays, I've got him slated for 14 points. I mean, people are also, well, what are you doing with Boston Scott? Nothing. I'm doing absolutely nothing with Boston Scott because he's 5,800. There's no way I'm touching Boston Scott. Uh, Alexander Madison, I don't think he's going to play. Um I got Boone projected for five, but that's only because I have Cook playing the whole game. Cook doesn't play the whole game. It's a, it's a totally different ball game. So I'm looking for a three running back attack. So I'm going to use Hyde, White, and Kamara in my flex and go heavy on running back. And the reason I can do that is because there is some hint of value at wideout. But do you have to? St- I think you have to start Michael Thomas. I do. I have to start Michael Thomas, which means that if I'm spending 9300 on Michael Thomas, I've got to go cheap elsewhere because I really want to use Julian Edelman. I don't think I can afford to use Julian Edelman, not in the lineup that I'm building already, because I've already spent I've already spent uh, over seven grand on Kamara and I uh, and, and White's not super cheap at fifty seven hundred. So I got to go cheap at Whiteout. So if I'm going to use Michael Thomas. I got to go super cheap, and I'm looking at guys like Mohamed Sanu and Greg Ward. Yes, because Greg Ward's only 5,200. Sanu's 3,900. I really want to use Edelman, though. I don't know if there's a way I can work Edelman in and keep all the people I have in already. Hmm. I can. What oh. happened here? I'm looking at my proprietary software here, <laughs> which isn't really proprietary. It's more just software I like to use. Actually, I can and that's probably what I would do. I would probably, if I swap out, if I if I use Edelman, Sanu, and Thomas, I just have to go, and with the other guys I've already mentioned, I have to go really cheap at tight end and defense. Like, risky cheap. But I don't think there's a great tight end out there to use anyway. So I'm not that upset about it. So who do you like at Whiteout this week? Who, who are you looking to, to spend? You, you've already said you got to pay for Thomas, right? You do have to pay for Thomas. I was also looking at Sanu. Because really, who else is going to catch the ball in New England? <laughs> but I mean, because you, you know why my problem with Elman is like, for the last eight weeks he's always been injured. But he's still out there. He's still out there, which is amazing. But you never know, like if he's going to land wrong, and then he's done. Yeah, that's. The I mean, risk. that's. Do I have his game logs here? Let's take a look. Okay, so uh, where's the fantasy point? Okay. Uh, last week, three receptions on seven targets, only 26 yards See. against Miami. They shut him down. He has not had over 100 yards since week 13. That was against Houston. But where's his touchdown numbers? Oh, wow. Is this the, am I looking at the right guy? I don't know. Are you? Oh, that's rushing, you dumbass. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, well, wow, there's a lot of zeros on there. There's touchdowns. He hasn't had touchdowns since week 14 at KC. 
So, you know, he had nine yards receiving at Cincinnati. That's a game he really should have gone off on. But again, he wasn't feeling well. Here's he ready for this. You tell me when he got hurt. I'm going to start after the bye with week 11. All right. 10 targets, 12 targets, 11 targets, 12 targets, five targets, (laughs) six targets. There we go. Seven targets. The last three weeks, they have not looked to him because of the injury. So that's a little bit of a risk. And you know what? I'm not, you know, I may want to take Edelman out of my lineup. I think I think Brady's going to look to him. I do. But I might take him out of my lineup, particularly if I'm using Sanu. So, so. for him to get value at 6,500, like what kind of stats do you think he needs? Yeah, uh, He's got to get 20 points. He's got to get 20 points. And I have him. I have him at. I have him at a mid-range floor of about 12 points, mm-hmm. and I've got him at a projected ceiling of 21. So I have him projected below the the 3x line, but I also have his ceiling above the 3x line because if Brady sits there and looks at him and goes, "Listen, if we're gonna play next week, it's you and me. F everybody else," that he's gonna start forcing him the ball, and even if it's one catch for five yards, well, screw it. That's 1.5 points in DraftKings. If he does that 10 times, he's got 15 points. And if one of those times is for a touchdown, he's over 20 points. He's at value. So, you know, you just never know if Brady's going to – if you're using Brady, the, the, the desire to use Edelman is strong. But is he going to play the whole game and is he going to get the targets? So I said I'm going to look at guys like Thomas Sanu and Greg Ward. I like Greg Ward. Um, I'm not also unhappy with A.J. Brown or D.K. Metcalf. Man, D.K. Metcalf. <laughs> what happened to him, man? That guy, he just came out of nowhere. You know who else is an interesting pick? Yeah. What about Nikhil Harry at 4,100? Huh. Is there a chance he gets the ball? Do we like him better by any chance? Do we like him better than Sanu? Uh, the way last week happened, I don't think so. I agree. I feel like Sanu was targeted a lot more. I agree. And he makes those catches across the middle, which gives him an opportunity to make a move and be gone. Nikhil Harry's got a streak, and that means Brady's got to be looking for him. He's like the third option. So... Um, but now I've spent a ton of money at everywhere because right now I'm using Tom Brady, Carlos Hyde, James White, uh, Mohamed Sanu, Michael Thomas, Greg Ward, and Alvin Kamara. And, of course, as we know, I'm not allowed to give out full lineups. But it doesn't take a genius to realize I only have about $7,000 left for <laughs> tight end and defense. So I am going super cheap. Darren Fells. <laughs> I don't think he's that cheap. 3000 3000 Darren Fells is definitely an option at 3000 you know who I'd love to use? I'm, I, I love Jonu Smith. I'm telling you, that guy, is, he's, his ceiling is so good. His ceiling's so good. Um, Jacob Hollister is high on my list. I mean, Dallas Goddard's right out. There's no way I can use him. Kyle Rudolph is an option. Did I just say that? You did. I'm going to take that back. I never said that. Um, <laughs> I mean, but guys like guys like um, Hollister and Jonu Smith and Darren Fells are absolutely on my radar this week they may not come through but if they only get two or three points but the difference is i can use michael thomas instead of uh julian edelman well frick yeah i'm gonna do that because i think michael thomas has the potential to score 22 to 25 points particularly if this game goes shootout which could happen yes it's in new orleans anything can happen so who did anybody in tight end you want to talk about no, really, only because of price. I think and I'm just going to use Darren Fells. Actually, I don't want to see. It just makes sense, and it saves you monies that you can use the bigger names elsewhere. I can't blame you one bit. And, and defense, good luck. I don't know what to tell you. I, I, well, the Bills are good. Yeah, but the Bills are over three thousand dollars. 
Well, the Patriots, uh, yep, they're 3,400. Seahawks are uh, playing the Eagles. So 2,800, but if the, again, I it, two teams that are decimated by injury, I, I don't know. I know, and Seahawk defense plays way better at home than they do on the road. Way better. I'll tell you who I'm not touching at all. Ooh. I'm not touching the Viking D. No. Do not be tempted to touch that. It's $2,200. DraftKings wants you to. They're almost giving you the Vikings for free. Yes, don't, don't do, do it. it. Don't trust it. If you want cheapo defense, I'm looking at Houston because they're 2600 But again, that's a risk because like Craig said, you can throw on them all day, every day. I'm not thrilled with that. Who do you, is it? What defense are you looking at? You know, we, we've uh, got to save money, right? You can't you can't use one of those three thousand dollar defense. You got to take the Patriots, the Saints, and the Bills off the board, in my opinion. Yeah, I think right now, if I'm looking at a defense, I'm kind of looking at the Seahawks. Yeah, that's not a bad pick at twenty eight hundred. That's not a bad pick at all, twenty eight hundred. I mean, if I have the extra couple of bucks, I'd probably go from the Seahawks up to the Saints, but I don't anticipate now to have that money here's available. Here's a question: Would you stack the Saints this week? Would I do a Saints stack this week? Can I afford to? If you can figure out how to afford to, would you? All right, so hold on. I got my lineup generator here. So when we say stack, who are so we talking about? I'm talking about Breeze? Breeze, Kamara, and Thomas. Breeze. Hold on. I'm seeing what that would look like. All right. Kamara and Thomas. What would that look like on my screen? Ah! Uh... Was that a good noise or a bad noise? I'm looking at the. I'm looking at what my. Okay, so if I use Breeze, Kamara, and Thomas, hmm, I I can make it work. But I gotta go. I gotta go cheap with the other. I gotta go. I gotta go three deep at the running backs because that's where the value is. Um, point wise, I gotta use Hyde and White in that scenario. And my uh, the metric wants me to use Julian Edelman. Right. I don't know how come. So let me let me ask Julian Edelman out of this equation and see what it, the the metric tells me. Oh, now the metric wants me to use Corey Davis, and I'm not happier about that. <laughs> um, it just upgraded a couple other positions and said, "Hey, Corey Davis is available." And I'm like, "No, let me ask Corey Davis." <sighs> you know, I can, I can, I I see a lineup, and again, I'm not allowed to share these lineups on the air. Um, DraftKings gets very upset when you do that. They don't like you sharing any more than four players, and I've already shared like six of specifics, but I can do it. I, I do see a Breeze, Thomas, Kamara stack being a possibility. So um, I will send you the picture. I, 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 will, I will share with you privately what I'm looking at and see what you think, but I, I, I see right. it as a possibility. All right, believe it or not, we're out of time. Wow. Wild card <clears throat> weekend upon us. It did. Yeah. Um, what do you got for me, Craig? What's your final thoughts this week? Going into the playoffs, what do you got? Hello? Oh, crap. Did I lose you? Well, if we're still recording, I think I might have lost Craig. No, oh, there we I go. I can't hear Hello. him. One, there two. he is. Hey, I'm back. Hey, and Buttons. he's back. Hey, just just to be fair, folks, that happens all the time on like the SiriusXM channels, too, so <laughs> that, I'm not going to apologize too much for that. Craig's probably going to edit it out anyway. So, Craig, so yeah. there, there we go, Craig. Yeah. Final go. thoughts. What do you got for me? Uh, so final thoughts, you know, uh, enjoy the week. Don't overthink it. And yeah. like was what Britt was saying about defenses, I would say don't as much as tempting as it is, do not use the cheapest option at defense. They're the cheapest option yeah. for a reason. Yeah. So my last final thought is 
DFS in the last couple of weeks of the season, because they are all short slate, is very tricky. Do not be tempted to say, I've had a fantastic season. I've tripled my bankroll. I'm going to go big. Go vi- If you have not already budgeted this week in your initial plans, which I do, mine is a percentage of the winnings. So I have X number of dollars set aside every week. When I get to the week, the, the playoffs, it's percentage of my winnings. And this week, per 10% is all I'm putting on the line. That's it. 10% because it is gravy if it hits, and it's not going to kill my, my bottom line if it doesn't. Probably up until Super Bowl week, it'll be 10% of my winnings is all I'm going to wager because I want to be cautious. And I am going to be very, very cash game oriented. Well, I always am. Not a bad idea. If you're going to take flyers, fly in tournaments. If you're going to look down at the Byron Pringles of the world, you got to do it in the tournaments this week. Don't get don't get cute in the the cash games. Cute in cash games on short game on short slates is where you get uh get into trouble. So, um and and along with Craig, thank you for listening. Hi Deb. Um, Hi Deb. Happy New Year. We did not even get to talk about the party at Two Roads, but we'll we'll talk about that eventually. We'll have plenty of time during the off season to talk about that. Um, and until then, keep uh, keep giving us reviews on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Player FM. Podbean, the 75 other places you can catch our, our podcast. Uh, please leave us a review. We do appreciate the feedback. Uh, we will be back next week to talk about Divisional Weekend. Uh, I will try to stay sober as I talk about Divisional Weekend because <laughs> we'll be talking about the Kansas City Chiefs, most likely hosting the New England Patriots, and Tom Brady's looking for blood. Uh, until then, until Tom Brady comes looking for blood, my name is Britt. I'm Craig. And we are the Football Fignuts Podcast. Thank <laughs> you.